This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by... Come check out the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce live at Free Play Florida. So far, we've got confirmed guests, Billy Mitchell, Walter Day, George Lowe, the voice of Space Ghost on Cartoon Network, Keith Apicary, Classic Gaming Wiz, and self-proclaimed Sega CEO, Scott Adams, legendary creator of text-based adventures, and our good friend, Brian Colon, creator of Rampage and our rivals. There will also be over 200 games at this event, including three 10-foot arcade cabinets featuring classic games like Star Wars. There will also be a console museum. Go get tickets at wp.freeplayflorida.com. Friday is going to be 25 bucks. Saturday is 30 Sunday is 25 bucks. Kids are, of course, $5. You can get the whole weekend, Johnny, for 60 And also, there's going to be an awesome Saturday night party, which is $15, but it's going to be from 11.30 to 3 a.m. Full arcade, music, plus live performances, and it's all at the newly renovated Double, Double Tree SeaWorld. So you definitely want to go check it out, and don't forget to tell them that the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Grove Roots Brewing Company, the official beer sponsor of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Find them in downtown Winter Haven, Florida. They're also on Facebook.com forward slash Grove Roots Brewing and GroveRoots.com. Hello, internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and Deuce is not here. He actually has a uh, prior engagement, uh, but he will be back soon. Uh, so we definitely miss you, Deuce. But in his place, we have a special guest co-host for the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. We have Dirk Scholler from Death Lake Productions. Welcome back to the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Thanks for having me, Johnny. This is a blast. I am super excited. Yeah, it's it's really cool because uh, we we had met Dirk what, a couple years ago at Ye- Lakeland Zombie Fest. Lakeland Zombie Fest. It was our first one, so I think it was 2014. 2014, yeah, that sounds right. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was 2014. Wow. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so over... Uh, over almost three years well three years ago in yeah. october right now i guess it would be uh say they, do, they usually do them in october november don't they yeah. yeah so almost three years ago time's flying isn't it <laughs> uh but speaking of fun things uh we'd love to do the deuce salute and even though deuce isn't here i will do it in his honor as well um so for all you out there drinking you can or your sweet teas or your waters or whatever you know <laughs> deuce salute is a state of mind so there you go Ooh, nice little crisp. That little was refreshing. That was really you refreshing. Sell that audio. Yes, clip. yes. Uh, we have a bunch of sound bites of that. So I <laughs> always forget. I can snap, snap it in there. Uh, but of course, we are the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. We're a twice weekly podcast dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. And uh, of course, the whole thing about the Happy Hour is just having a good time, 
having fun people on and uh, just talking about what we love. And I think that's what's cool about what we do. We want to th- say thank you to all the fans out there that have been supporting us strong for over three years. Um, and we're over 300 episodes, kind of crazy. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't be doing it without your support. So thank you. Thank you to Dirk as well. He's been a big proponent of the show as well. Uh, and it just, you know, if you like listening to podcasts or you know people that want to hear what we have to say then share it sharing is caring right it really is definitely in the podcast world it's all about word of mouth because we have some wonderful sponsors that help us out as well um but it's you know at the end of the day it's all about the organic process of you know sharing to other people i think that's that's the thing that i really enjoy the most is being like oh i heard you guys on the internet someone told me about you and that's the coolest feeling ever when someone tells you they heard about you uh we read everything Every tweet, every message, every email, uh, leave us comments, feedback. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play Music, we're on SoundCloud. We're working on getting on uh, Podbean as well as uh, iHeartRadio and Spotify. So stay tuned for those as well if you use those podcasting services. But uh, we also have an RSS feed um, on our uh, page as well. So you can always just copy and paste that and put it into most uh, podcasting uh, services will actually allow you to accept the uh, RSS feed. So even if we're not on that podcast of service, just get the RSS feed and you'll be able to get us. So anyways, so Dirk, you are part of a team uh, uh, called Death Lake Productions. That is uh, correct. And you are a filmmaker. And like we said earlier, we, we met uh, three years ago at Lakeland Zombie Fest. And uh, do you remember how, how, how that we, encounter happened? We were setting up our... Because we were both having a an event coming up one hour between each other. So my event was coming up, and we were going to be premiering one of our short films um, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when it was really bright outside, and we were going to show a really dark movie visually and color-wise, not, like, tonally. So it was a very washed-out film. But we were we were trying to set up for it, and we weren't really sure how we're going to approach it. And we see these two guys in white shirts come up with happy hour with Johnny and Deuce across. It's like, let's ask these guys and see if we can, uh, they can help us set up and make sure it's, it's a quick turnaround for both of us. So that way it's not, you know, we're not, we're not messing anything up for them and, you know, vice versa. So we immediately talked to you guys like, Hey, uh, we have a panel coming up and it's right before your guys, um, mind setting, uh, helping us set up. Cause we were like really small team and we didn't have a lot of people, there to help us set up but we didn't know what we wanted to set up and you guys are like super helpful and everything and that's how we that's really how it all started that's then, when the skies opened up yeah <laughs> and then you uh transformed a two dollar bill in front of me yes i remember <laughs> that yeah this uh i do magic on the side and th- i think that was really funny and what was the name of the film that you were uh we, showcasing oh yeah oh my gosh we uh sh- we screened a uh, blackjack which is like our first like attempt at a superhero storyline and we've we've looked back at that film like it we have we still have a, a like a small group of people um that watch death like productions that still tell me that they really liked blackjack and it was it was kind of a rushed project because we made that for the tampa bay comic-con film fest but we submitted it and it never got accepted so that will always like burn me. It's like I made this film specifically for you guys, and you didn't take it. Mm-hmm. And so we sent in another film, and that got accepted. And so we got to screen that one, which was um, one of our most prized possessions, uh, A One Zombie, which is like my all time. I love that time. one. That everyone so loves that, and I'm so like, I'm I love it, and everyone else loves it because it was 
it was a perfect example of all the restrictions that we had to make this story and it worked out so perfectly and because we did something different with the material that was given to us and it was just it we had to film that whole we had to film it we had to shoot it edit everything do the whole production process in 30 days wow yeah it was it was part of the 30 day zombie film challenge and in the process of that because we had to we had to have a plunger three to four lines of dialogue like specific that we had to pick from a zombie joke and a specific character which was dr jonathan croft and we put all those those in there and my dad was the one that had the idea that okay if we have to put a plunger into this movie it's definitely got to be a comedy and so we kind of worked the idea from there of what the story came out to be and if you haven't seen the story or seen the movie the concept is two roommates who have a have a tidiness issue uh, in their in the home that they that they live in, and so one of them orders a mail order zombie butler from uh, a company that is called A One Zombie, and so hijinks ensue. Hijinks it does ensue. And how how do people find you? Uh, on uh, you have a YouTube channel as well as a website. Yes, uh, we are on YouTube at uh, YouTube.com/slash Deathlake Movie. Uh, we would have had the name Deathlake Productions, but we—that's um, a whole another story of how that name came to be. Uh, we first started making our first film we ever did was a zombie film back in twenty. 2010 I think we yeah we started the film in 2010 it was a horror movie that we called Death Lake about a bunch of campers being attacked by zombies and then having to be you know trying to get out of the cam zone and everything and try to survive and we called it Death Lake and at the time it was my brother and I and we were Showbro Productions and so at the beginning of the film it's Showbro Productions presents Death Lake so we had the idea because at the time we had two other YouTube channels um, that we just like uploaded crap and everything and so when we were wanting to be serious we were like I've seen like we were like oh what other people do they upload their feature film on another channel Mm -hmm. so we were really smart about that at the time and so we put Death Lake on its own channel and the movie skyrocketed over a couple like a couple months and for some reason India was like a big part of like our numbers for some reason we were checking the statistics and it's like why is india so supportive of this maybe they love horror films probably and it's like i've always had this running joke in my head that if i go to india and i don't see bootleg copies of my movie (laughs) i'll be i will be offended and i will i will give them bootleg copies of my movie i'll put a different movie cover on it and everything and call it death lake that's funny that's um, but yeah, so when that movie started going places and our other Showbro Productions channel was like going in the toilet, we were like, you know what? Let's move everything over to here to this Death Lake channel and we'll just call our production company Death Lake Productions. And so that's how it all came to be. Now, who do you work with? Uh, any people you want to shout out? You said you mentioned your brother before. He was helping you yeah, out in the past. Um, well, my brother, my brother was part of Death Lake Productions, but he... he um, he always wanted to be in the military, so he was, like, really big into that. So he actually joined the military not too long ago. Uh, he's currently uh, stationed in Abu Dhabi right now. Oh, wow. So he's overseas. He's going to be there for um, – he should be back, like, closer to the end, like, maybe fall of next year. So he's going to be there for a while. 
So nine months time, he he stationed out in like July or August. So he's been out there for a while. And the 24-hour time slot is very different. So like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon while I'm editing um, my most recent film project, I'm talking to him over a video chat, and it's like midnight over oh, there wow. right now. Yeah, so it's like the time shift is like completely different. Hmm. Big shout-out to your brother. Well, of course, uh, we're big supporters of the Armed Forces here on the Happy Hour, Johnny Deuce. So thank you to your brother if he listens. Uh, thank you to for yeah, your support. I will, I will send so. the video out to him. Yep, definitely. Um, so uh, yeah, so you, you so your brother helped you out before with your stuff, and then you have a couple of people that come that come to your events. Uh, do they are they part of the team as well? Uh yeah. Um, but the the longest one is uh, our friend Adam, who was in our like first Death Like movie, uh, and since then he's just been. He's just been there through a lot of the films from acting and um, special effects makeup and uh, anything we need him to do, he'll do. And he does a lot of like the special effects makeup and stuff. So that's that's always fun for us, um, especially in our most recent film. We had to do fake blood and we didn't want to stain anything. So we used um, dial magnitude like red body soap for a scene. Oh, OK. And it worked for like three seconds and then it just turned like purple good it just <laughs> so like in post we had to like isolate the soap and then change the color of it and then add like other fake blood digitally afterwards and it was like okay we'll make this scene really quick and just make yeah. it we'll make it pg-13 just like show very less gore right so how does that work for you because <laughs> uh, obviously you've you know been working on films for the last seven years and what programs do you use, and what do you use for effects and all that stuff? Originally, we we jumped around a lot when it came to programs. We used, like, really cheap $30 video programs that you bought at Staples, like Corel Video Studio and all those. Um, and then we used Video Studio for years, and then when I got to college, we just used Adobe for everything. So Premiere, After Effects, the whole kit caboodle. Um and at and for a while there was another program that came out called Hitfilm that I used for uh Blackjack and Aftershock. And Aftershock is our Bioshock Fallout crossover series that we're working on. Uh we have the first quote unquote pilot episode concept video out right now on YouTube on our YouTube channel. And we did that whole thing in after in Hitfilm. And it was a good program, but it was still very limiting. So by the time we did our most recent project, we just moved everything over to Premiere, and it was so much quicker, so much easier just to, like... Because, like, with that one, I had, like, multiple timelines that I threw in together so I could I could multitask within one project and not have, like, thir- like five different hit film files and just move them around. It's a good program. I would still recommend especially the free version HitFilm Express for like up and coming filmmakers to get used to editing and special effects cuz that was the appeal of HitFilm was it was Premiere and After Effects in one program. Ah, okay. So it was like you could do composite effects within your within the same project. So you could just jump back and forth. So that was a huge appeal of it especially for an effects heavy video like AfterShock. So it worked for that, and I still use HitFilm for a lot of my special effects stuff, but very rarely I'll use After Effects right now. 
Well, how how does that how does that work? Because so you have your film. Do you edit everything first and then add effects after, like After Effects, quote unquote, or do you do it in the same process? It's ideally you want to get your edit done first and then you do all your special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, since I'm I do like all the post production stuff, so for me it's like. Whatever is, like, on my mind at the time and whatever's perfect and, like, you know, whatever I feel like doing at the time, I'll, like, okay, I really want to get on this special effect because I want to know if this works because I want to make sure that I want to know if I can even do this. And if I can, I might as well go ahead and do it because I know the editing is going to be easier for the most part, but I know the special effects is going to be harder, so... That's the one thing I will say with HitFilm is that if I want to get the editing done, I know I can do it off to the side and I have all my footage and I just have to put it in place. But for all my special effects stuff, that's going to take longer. And especially for the stuff I kind of already know how to do with just simple drag and drop and just placing it in the frame, then I can just go ahead and do that get out of the way. So it kind of, it depends on the filmmaker. For me, it's, for my workflow, it's like whatever I feel like doing for the day. Um, so when it comes to video, like when you're shooting, uh, what type of camera work do you use? I am the worst. I still shoot on a Canon Vixia camcorder. Okay. And I, I, I push it to its limit to make it look like not camcorder footage because it still shoots in like full HD and everything. So right. it's a nice camcorder. Uh, but everyone keeps telling me I have to, up- I have to upgrade to a DSLR and I'm wanting to. But as a starving filmmaker that lives at home and goes to college and everything, um, not as easy. And trying to find, trying to find deals and everything on getting a cheap DSLR and trying to build my arsenal of lenses and everything is going to be a lot harder unless I start up like you know a Patreon or a Kickstarter or some kind of crowdfunding campaign that I haven't gotten around to doing yet. Right. Well, so that's, that's, the, that's the thing, too, is um, you brought up a good point about lenses. I mean, you can buy the camera for $800 to $1,000, depending on what type of camera. Or you could spend mo- even more, uh, $5,000. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, the range is so high, you know. Like, you can go from eight mm-hmm. to $1,000 to $5,000. And then after that, you know, the lenses that come with are nice, but you also want to get, you know, your focus lenses, your lenses for faraway shots, uh, some have filters you can put on for colors and all that stuff. So there's a lot of variables involved when it exactly. comes to cameras. So that, that can be kind of overwhelming, you know. Trying it to is, out. and like, and I'm still trying to understand lenses when it's like you know talking about apertures and everything because there's some lenses that only go so far, and they're very specific, and you need specific lenses for specific shots, and you have to know. Like, right off the bat, what kind of lens you need for these kind of shots. And that can be a little confusing and overwhelming. But that's, from the professional side, that's more of the cinematographer's job. The cinematographer knows all that. The director can still have knowledge of it, but that's still the cinematographer's job. But for me, being a walking hat rack with, you know, Deathlike Productions, I have to wear so many hats. So I have to know all this stuff so it's like i have to know about post-production pre-production and production itself so it's like trying to balance everything during specific phases in production processes right so yeah it's 
so you like you said earlier what you're wearing a lot of hats so you have to learn everything yourself but eventually the the goal one day is to just focus on writing and directing and then writing directing acting um just getting the getting the the bigger stuff and then the people that can can pick up all the loose ends that can focus can put a lot of detail into the more important stuff because like you have your writers and directors and editors those are like the big three and the producers that's that's the big four but the ones who focus on like you know quality assurance and sound design fully every little thing that makes a film is important but there's always that one person that wants to do that specific job right that that one person that like five minutes into the credit sequence finally sees their name that person cares about what they're labeled as on the side so you always have those kind of people um and you know props to everyone who works on a film like all 22,000 people it's insane right when you go through the credits it's it's crazy to see like all the uh the people and i and it's a respect thing when you go to the theater and you sit there and wait for the credits because you know that you know people took time spent years of their life you know helping to create that film yeah and And some uh, of them didn't even plan to being in that industry and yet wound up found themselves in the industry and liking it that that kind of says something that oh i wanted to be an architect but i wound up being a sound designer or i wound up being a a a 3d model a 3d modeler in in a film and that's always impressive to me. Like I see YouTubers now that work on like big production stuff that say that I'm a you know I went to college as a, uh, a mechanical engineer, and I'm learning about special effects programs and yeah. Blender and all these other programs. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, and uh, we'll have to, I was behind closed doors. You and I were kind of talking about uh, music because I'm a huge music guy, and I would love for the future. Um, whenever that happens, I would love to like work on some music for your film because I, I, I'm an aspiring composer. So like, I, I always just want to go out and make as much music as I can and to be able to help, um, provide music for someone's films. I've, I've, you know, if you look on IMDb, you'll see me as a composer. I have, I've had a couple of, uh, films under my belt. Um, but this early stuff. So, um, but really, really, really fun stuff. Um, but uh, I really actually, as I shared with you a, a, a couple weeks ago, I'm getting into more of the orchestral stuff. Yeah. So, uh, and not necessarily every film needs that, but sometimes you just need some strings coming in or you need a couple of drums or something to add tension there. And that's that's kind of where I want to experiment. So hopefully maybe one day you and I can, you know, even if you, need to just, even if you need one scene just with music or something, I would love to like help you out in the future because I would love Definitely. just to... Just to throw a little bit more, because music is very important. Uh, sometimes it can be o- too much, right? Sometimes you can have too much music in a film. Oh yeah. So, um, and we'll talk more about our favorite films here in a minute. We're uh, we're gonna take a small break, and we'll be right back with me and Dirk from the Death Lake Productions. We'll be right back. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by the Lakeland Role Playing Guild. Join the adventure with the Lakeland Role Playing Guild. Founded in 2000, the Guild starts its 18th year of supporting and promoting the role-playing game hobby in September with a big anniversary party and some lightly structured games. The Guild hosts too many convention-style game nights every month on the 2nd and 4th Fridays where you can find up to four scheduled and prepared games plus up to three open tables all ready for a packed four hours of hobby-centered fun and fellowship. Among the regularly scheduled games on the LRPG's rotating calendar are three exclusive in-house ongoing campaigns 
one exclusive in-house mini-campaign anthology series, and a few periodic episodes of members' personal home campaigns. The majority of those games are RPGs, but miniature war games hit the guild tables as well, along with the occasional board game. Some events also feature instructional clinics and roundtable discussions on a variety of game rules, techniques, and theories, so all participants can share their experience and learn more about the hobby from each other. The Guild also has planned gaming-free social outings on those random fifth Fridays that pop up some month. And of course, members of the LRPG take part in area conventions as players and game masters, as well as coordinate some activities with other gaming clubs. For more information on the Lakeland Role-Playing Guild, visit the website at lakeland-rpg.com or check out the social media at facebook.com slash Guild. And on Twitter at Lakeland RPG plus hashtag Dice on the Road. Lakeland Role Playing Guild. They play games. And we're back with the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce, Chris and Johnny. And I've got our special guest co host, Dirk Scholler from Death Lake Productions. It's me. It's me, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I actually, it's funny. Uh, I actually wanted, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a voice actor. Because I was always fascinated by, I was watching like Doug or something like that, the old Nickelodeon cartoon, and how like all the sound effects are done by someone's mouth. And I was just sitting there like, man, that's really awesome that someone can make all the sound effects with their mouth. I was like, so I was like researching stuff and uh, later on in life, and I was finding out, yeah, these people just make these sounds, you know, uh, and it just blew me away. And like, one of the sound effects that always stuck with me. Have you ever seen the show, Doug? I remember bits and pieces of it when I was really little, but I right. do remember watching it. Yeah, so like one of the Hi, things... this is Doug. This is my dog, Pork Chop. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, uh... Hey there, Douglas. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. That's all Billy West. That's, yeah, that's it so is. Funny. Yeah, Billy West is crazy. Like, you know, obviously this, this, is, this is Billy West before he really got huge, right? You know, doing uh, Futurama and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's cool because uh, going back and hearing like all the sound effects, it's like this is one guy. I don't remember his name. I should remember it, but I don't. But he like did, did everything with his mouth, and he's all like, my favorite thing he would do is when he they would do flashbacks. You know, he'd be thinking he'd, the sound effect they'd use is <laughs> that's it. Yeah, so yeah. that's like the flash the flashback they would use, and I'm like, dude, that's so crazy. And like the whole actually, if you think about it, the theme song to Doug is just. All done by your mouth. Oh so, yeah, you know. Or the uh, um. Yeah, it's all done with yeah. the mouth. It's like acapella. It's all acapella. Stuff. It's really cool. Actually, it's, it's funny you mentioned that about voice acting because that's still something that I aspire to do as well. Like even when I'm around the house and my dad's watching TV and there's like a commercial playing, and there's just some random, just some random announcer talking about you know AARP or whatever. I'll, like, immediately mimic his voice, like, immediately. But I have a friend, uh, Kayla, who is a huge Transformers fan. And I um, I don't know if you saw this on Instagram, but or even on... It was either Instagram or Facebook, but I did, a uh, an, like, this one impression of... um, I don't know if I can do it now because of uh, my congestion, but um, Optimus Prime, it scares... Like, she freaked out when I did the impression. It was... um. I am Optimus Prime, and I have a message for any Autobot seeking refuge among the stars. We are here. We are waiting. That's pretty good, man. That is, that's awesome. 
And even like my first job that I had when I was like, I was alone in my office and I was bored out of my mind. And my friend mentioned uh, something came up about the Joker's um, eulogy from the Batman animated series. Oh, yeah. The man who killed Batman, which is my favorite episode. Uh, Mark Hamill's eulogy for Batman. And I just I just did the whole thing on Facebook Live. And it was memories can be vile, repulsive little brutes like children, I suppose. Oh, wait, no, that's killing joke. But uh no, Batman's eulogy. I used it for an audition, and I failed at it. But it was, um, dear friends, today's the day that the clown cries, and he cries not for the passing of one man, but for the death of a dream—the dream that he would someday taste the ultimate victory over his hated enemy. And that's like that's awesome. Like that's I, really good. I, I aspired to do like the Joker's voice and everything when I was like really little, and I just kept working at that's it over awesome. the years. That sounds really good. You got all the inflections down. That's awesome. But, like, I, I think it's cool because, like, that's cool. We have a common bond with the voice acting thing. And I've always done, like, sound effects. And I, I love – because of, of Doug and other shows and movies. And obviously the way films are made are a little bit different now than they were back then. But, like, it's cool to have some of that organic stuff. I, I love I love following, like, Ben Burt. Oh, uh, yeah. The, 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 the uh, sound engineer with for Star Wars and, and Indiana Jones. And, you know, he's done a lot of stuff throughout the years. But – he like he'll go in and just record sounds of cars. He'll record like lights turning on and off, like just to get like the different sounds and waves and all that. And like he'll, that's how he made like Chewbacca sound. It was a mixture of a bear and a walrus and like all kinds of animals uh, put together, and he made the Chewbacca sound that's famous today. And I was like, man, that's really cool to be able to record stuff. He had like this portable track recorder that only had like two inputs, <laughs> and he just recorded everything. It's like that's awesome, you know, like to be able to like and then tweak it and, and post or whatever, and, and that was really neat. Yeah, you remember the sound effect? Do you, do you remember what the sound effect was for the uh, the boulder in in Raiders of the Lost Ark? No, I don't remember. What was it, it was he, because I remember this on like a behind the scenes thing for Indiana Jones where uh, I saw on YouTube where he was trying to record all these sound effects. Like he drove, like he got all his gear and everything, and drove out to this one remote location and was recording boulders falling. But none of them worked out. None of them was what he wanted. It's so he uh, he's driving on gravel in his Honda in his Honda seventy seven Civic, and he's hearing the sound of, of the tires rolling on, and he's like, "That's perfect." So the sound. So the next time you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark and you see the boulder coming, just think in your mind, Honda Civic on gravel. That's awesome. And I look back at it. It's like, oh my god, it is. And even the sound of uh, the snakes. Is so ridiculous what he actually wound up using. Do you know what it was? I don't remember. What, what did he use? The snakes was actually his hands going through a casserole that his wife made. Oh. So it's just like that. That's cool. That's, that's all awesome. it was. And it's like, oh, my God. And it's like just that, just thinking outside the box that far where it's like, I want a boulder. Here's a tire. Yeah. How the hell? Right. <laughs> Well, especially like the place where you really see it a lot is animated films, right? Because a lot of animated films had lower budgets typically. Not now. Now Pixar and everything oh is so cute. But back then, you had to do a lot of stuff, you know, figure out how you were going to do sound effects for it, walking and all that, and uh, opening and closing doors. Everything like was all recorded, you know, manually. Sound is the most important element in anything. Like, just, even if you have, like, the most expensive $50,000 red camera, you still want to put in a lot of money into your audio. Because if you have bad audio but good visuals, no one's going to care what your movie's about. If you get room tone noise in the middle of your movie, it sucks and it's super amateur. And you can tell. Right. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, there's all by trial and error. You figure out what you're going to do. And 
you know, obviously, first projects that you work on are good ways to kind of see how you've grown. You know, oh, yeah. See how things have, when you first started doing something. Um, like Deuce and I always joke, go back and listen to our first episode of our sh- podcast. Oh, God. It was like, we did the, it was back, this is how long ago it was, three years ago. Uh, and it was... It was a Destiny beta, the very first one Destiny first came out, and we were like talking about the beta, and I'm like, wow, now fast forward, it's Destiny 2's out now. It's like crazy, how you know what, how much has gone on in the last three years, and so it's and how far you guys have come in general, like from hearing of just about Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, like now it's like, you know, it's it's still kind of a big deal, like even for me, like for, like for me and everything, it's like. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing a podcast for for these guys and you know promoting it. It's like, oh, these guys are actually kind of a big deal. Why would they want Dirk on the show? You know, it's like one of those things <laughs> for me. It's like, wow, and like to think that you guys are only three to four years old right now. That's that's actually really crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, we we Deuce is like, we definitely miss him today. Deuce is like a. I mean, you know, everyone has jobs they do in the show. You know, I, I, he's definitely one of the big talents on the show. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's he's definitely a personality. He comes from a comedy background. We've known the guy for 20 years. Great guy. Uh, and I love to have him on the show. And we, we used to talk all the time, you know, and we were like, man, we should just record this, you know, and that's kind of how it started. Yeah. And uh, we just love to geek out on stuff. We're unabashed fans <laughs> of things, you know. We love, I mean, I love Star Wars to the day I die, you know. I love Twilight Zone. I love James Bond movies. So like I have all these passions and Deuce is the same way and we decided just to you know, he's he's very good with people. He's very good uh, you know, re- reaching out to people, you know, for conventions or for sponsorships and uh he's, he's a, good, a he's a very extroverted. He I is, yeah, tell. he's a very good PR guy and uh he's really great at talking to people. So like that's like his other than being a you know, great per- on air personality, that's like his main focus, his main drive. And then I'm like the the sound engineer. I do all the editing and you know, recording and all that stuff, uh, and for video too. If we, if we do any video, which isn't as much, our main bread and butter is our podcast, our audio. So that's kind of like the main thing that we do. We only do videos occasionally, um, and uh, so that's kind of like between the two of us, we do everything. You know, I, and I do the graphic design, any artwork that we need for our show, I do that as well. And that's all like trial and error. People ask me, "Well, did you go to school for this?" I said, "Nope, just one day picked it up and played with it, trial and error, practice." I surrounded myself with people that love doing the same thing, and I think that's that's, that's that's perfect. That's the most you know, like you know, you're you're into film, you're a filmmaker. How do you learn more about filmmaking? Go to school is one thing. Another thing is to see other people keep making movies. keep making. That's movies. my big thing. Yeah, that's what I keep telling people when I like, because the thing that people don't realize with filmmaking is that, you know, I, I the uh, Brian Mills is a uh, di- is a producer out in uh, Orlando that I met a while back. And he says that film school, like, this is his opinion, so this is not, like, to trump anyone else's. This is only an opinion. But his whole thing is is about film school nowadays is, to, 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 in his opinion, is not a good choice anymore because back then when film school was around, you couldn't be a filmmaker, you couldn't be an editor, a cameraman, whatever, unless you went to film school because – like nowadays, it's it's you know no problem to pick up a a camera with good quality image or even our phones for that People matter. People are shooting movies with iPhones. Exactly, it's crazy. even Zack Snyder did one a yep. while back, and I finally watched it, and it looks exactly like what a Zack Snyder movie would be, but it was all done on like an iPhone five. Like it was, I don't even think it was like a current iPhone. It was like an older iPhone, right? But it still looked fan freaking tastic, and so 
so I, I understand the whole thing about like you don't always have to go to school for filmmaking, but that's like a preference and that's up to the person. But if money's an issue, never worry about the gear or the money because even Slumdog Millionaire, which got like all these awards and everything, shot most of the film on like a really cheap like store-bought camera for a lot of the scenes. And it was like not good quality, but that didn't matter because the story was good. Right. Because even uh, Casey Neistat talks about how, um, it like everything is subservient to the story. The story is always in control. Yeah. Just because you can do special effects doesn't mean you have to revolve your entire story around your special effects. Your story should never be subservient to anything else. Right. Well, then also think when you say story, I also think uh, story can be told two ways. Right. Mm-hmm. You can do it visually. Uh, and you can do it uh, audibly with an actual written script because you you you, tra- you you juxtapose any sort of you know Oscar winning sh- you know movie um, I don't know what's coming out my mind's going blank right now what's what's been out recently uh, let's see Wonder Woman uh, my mind goes let's immediately. say Wonder Woman Wonder Woman okay Wonder Woman okay so Wonder Woman great film uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit I love that film I think the film uh, visually looks pleasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the acting and the story is amazing, uh, and I love I love that film. Probably one of my favorite movies of the year. And I haven't watched a lot of movies, so all the people on the comment board right now are saying, "Oh, Wonder Woman's great," but you should check this out. <laughs> well, I haven't watched a lot this year. Um, looking to watch more in the following year. Um, now that the kids our kids' school schedule is figured out. Um, but you look at that movie, and then you juxtapose that to Mad Max, where Mad Max doesn't really have much of a quote unquote story. Uh, basic setting the, uh, the the most recent one or the like Matt, the fury road the recent fury one. road yeah, okay yeah. yeah um the the recent one uh it's very visual right that that movie mm-hmm. is all visual um visual very settings. little very little story yeah but it's still it, but it's simple right but i think it tells a it tells an interesting story about the world the way the the, the world itself is a character you know mm-hmm. And I think that's that's another movie that kind of tells a story, but not necessarily visual. It does it more visually than it does, uh, you know. It's very, um, you know, it, it doesn't 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 do a lot when it comes to actual the actual voc- vocality. It's more of the visual stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, you know, it's very interesting to see a film do that because you look at a lot of Hitchcock films back in the day. He obviously he had a script. But a lot of the stuff was done with some very creative shots, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, even, like, even at, editing. Yeah, you look at Psycho or something like that where it's just like, man, the visuals in those movies just told a story. You know, you, you look at something like uh, The Omen, which is all talking. Like, it was a lot of talking, a lot of dialogue. And then you, and you juxtapose that to The Exorcist. The Exorcist, exactly. Oh, my God. You're, like, taking the thoughts out of my head. <laughs> uh, the Exorcist, very visual stuff. Um, obviously, there's dialogue. Very, but, yeah, vi- a lot of visuals in that one. That was... That's what made it scarier. It did, yeah. I, well, the thing is, I uh, how, well, I want to ask you, well, how long ago did you see it? A good question. I actually saw that movie like a couple, like I think either la- I think last year. I saw it last year. So you saw a film that's been around for 30, 30 years. Yeah, last year and it still was good. It's it was really creepy. See, that's what good good test of a story, a good test of a film is if it still holds up, right? Yeah. I actually didn't see it long ago. I, I watched it maybe ten years ago uh, for yeah. the first time. And what the director would do, uh, he he would just have like shots of images that would just flash. You're just like, did I just see something? And you're, <laughs> you're like, it was just so creepy. Like he he the. The overall ambiance is a word I use a lot. Like the, just the setting, the feeling of that film, 
it's just the way they were able to put that's, it together. That's because the, the, this mystery project I keep mentioning. I, I, I recently did a short film that was my first attempt at, at horror. Like, true, like, like, true to the core horror. Because horror is, like, one of my favorite genres, even now. Um, and I wanted to do good horror. I didn't want to do the ch- the really the really th- cheap throwaway January release horror movies. I don't know if you like you know. I know like, what you're talking about. How yeah. like January is the dumping ground for. for I used movies. to work at Blockbuster, so yeah, I definitely know about yeah. January. I didn't want to do you know the Bye Bye Man or any like horror movies like that where it was just like you know it's it it focused so much on cheap scares and it wasn't. It wasn't authentic. You didn't, you didn't leave the theater like, oh, that was a fun movie, or oh, that was stupid. You want to leave a horror movie scared. You want you do. To, you d- if you you don't want to go to a horror movie. If you want a happy ending, this is my, my 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 answer to it. If you want a happy ending, you either go to a Pixar movie or a massage parlor. You don't go. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't come out of a horror movie, you know feeling joyful or anything you want to feel depressed you want to feel like someone just gutted you you just want you want to feel tense exactly so i've i watched a lot of horror movies and i mainly focused on psychological horror because those are like type those are the worst ones to do and the one that i always watch nine you've seen that session nine session nine no i never i never heard of that one man well you go with yours and i'll tell you more about session have you seen oculus I have not seen Oculus. Oculus scared the crap out of me. This is like the first time I ever did this, and it's never changed since then. I I couldn't sleep when I and I was like, you know what? If I can't sleep, I'm just gonna watch a horror movie because you know why the hell not? Right. So my brother and his girlfriend at the time, now his wife, um, they went and saw Oculus when it came out in theaters. And Drake kept telling me about it. He's like, it scared the crap out of me, dude. Like, he just went on and on about it. And there's a scene in the movie, because the whole movie's about uh, brother and sister who are trying to prove that this mirror, this, like, possessed mirror is the reason why their parents went crazy and the brother killed the dad. Oh, wow. And And the brother spent, like, 18 to 20 years, or, like, he spent, like, a lot of years in like a mental institution because he yeah. kept saying the mirror did it, the mirror did it, the mirror did it. But he finally gets out and they've conditioned him to believe that it wasn't the mirror. You did it, but you are now sane. But the sister is trying to prove it. And so they go back to the house. They put the mirror up. She finds the mirror like at an auction, oh, man. buys the mirror, puts it up in, in the house and <clears throat> has the whole place, like has the whole place, like cameras and everything. <coughs> so, there's a scene where they're like they're arguing, they're fighting and everything, and they walk out, and I can't remember what what happens, but they come back. Oh, they come back in the room, and all the cameras that are in the corner and everything, <coughs> excuse me, are now pointing, gathered all around the camera, around the mirror. So they go back and look at the footage, and the whole time they were arguing, the cameras are showing a completely different event, oh, where like as cool. they're like as they're yelling at each other. They're just moving the cameras in front of the mirror, and they're just like, like in a complete trance, but they're still arguing with each other, like they were in front of each other the whole That's time. That's crazy. And I remember seeing it, and it freaked me. I was like, ugh, and I got like yep. all tense. Yeah. And when it when the movie ended, which I won't spoil, but when the movie ends, I was like, ugh, 
you gotta be kidding me. And it happened recently when I saw Drag Me to Hell. Oh, I, I love that movie. That was a great film. <laughs> I hate the ending. I hated that ending but so much. The, the ending isn't great, but the overall... But, it, but the thing is, was, I hate the ending, but that's the point. It's, it's horror. The, right. And it's Sam Raimi, so right, you yeah. had to love it. Right. Uh, and that was a good film. A little bit cheeky. A little... little, uh, little what do you expect from a Sam yeah, Raimi exactly. movie? Uh, I'll tell you a film now. You might laugh at me now because it's got a million sequels, and it's the sequels are not very good, but the very first Paranormal Activity movie. Really? That, yeah. So have you seen it? I've seen the sequels, and my friends and I would riff it. <laughs> right. So the first Paranormal Activity movie is, I think, I think it's a a masterclass in uh, psychological horror. Um, and and it was designed by a gentleman named Oren Pelly, uh, who uh, was known for he's known for like the Saw the first couple Saw movies as well. Mm -hmm. So the guy like. He did a Cherno the Chernobyl movie, which didn't do very well. Um, but the guy, and you know, he sold off the rights and stuff. But he was an independent filmmaker, and he shot uh, Paranormal Activity, I think, for like fifteen thousand dollars. That was it. Oh yeah, it was like super, super cheap. And he used he just used his own hand on camera. Used a lot of uh, what I love about the film from a filmmaking standpoint is the fact that he used a lot of like organic stuff. Uh, it was mm -hmm. all in one location essentially. But anything that he would use was it was all like permits. There was a lot of still shots, you know, uh, similar to what you're talking about with Oculus. A lot of still shots, and they have a jump scare in the end. But there's only one in the entire film. But it, it's at the point where you're like, see, I, I I'm so seasoned when it comes to horror movies. It takes a lot to scare me, and I remember it was the same way for me. Yeah, so I, I watched Paranormal Activity, and I had this like feeling of dread. I was like, oh my gosh! And when this scene happens, you guys, it, here's the problem. Things get franchised, they get Hollywoodized, mm -hmm. they change, right? So, like, the original Saw movie, masterpiece in filmmaking. The first Saw movie is amazing. Saw 2 is okay. Saw 3, and then and then all the million Saw movies that came out after that. It kind of tanks the whole idea of what Saw is about. If the first Saw movie just came out only, it would still be talked about today as like one of the best psychological horror movies. Because you think of a movie called Saw, you think you see a lot of bloods and guts. You don't. It's all, like camera cuts away before anything happens so it's all your mind's completing the picture it's, it's yeah, very psychological it's like, it's like you if you're making the image in your head it's stuck in your head exactly and that's what's so brilliant with the first saw movie and the first paranormal activity movie it's all about visual visual stuff but it's all about psychological stuff as well so it's like those are the type of movies i like uh, another movie that isn't really that great but makes me feel uneasy when i watch it is uh event horizon have you seen event horizon there's a movie came out. Oh, the one with the the the, the spaceship one, like hell and everything. Yeah, kinda like, it's kind of like Doom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a sp it, the whole premise of the film is it's a spaceship. There, they has, the thing is the first twenty minutes of the film was all science fiction. It was no horror elements. Like they would splash something in there, but it wasn't really horror. And then like halfway through the film, when they find the other ship that gets lost in in space or whatever, and it's like went through hell or whatever, and like you have this like there's a the the, what gets to me, it makes me feel uneasy. It's not really scary. It's more creepy. Uh, is when they're showing the the footage from the people in the other ship and the things they do to each other and the things they say and like they're speaking in Latin. It's very very freaky. Ooh. So those stuff like that got to me. I was like, man, that's really freaky. And that movie, like that movie's twenty years old, I think now. Uh, it was like ninety eight, something like that. Uh, and it has Lawrence Fishburne in it. it has Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. It's got a lot of people you know. Uh, in it, uh, and it's just—I need to see that. Like, I, I, I think I, you would dig it. I've seen reviews of it, and like, people did not give the movie 
you know, a chance. Right. But it's like there are still people that still talk about it, and it's like, okay, I got to give it the benefit of the doubt and just try it. Well, because we'll talk about it, and we'll talk about it in our next episode we're going to do um, the, the pros and cons to critic reviews because that, that kind of mm, – yeah. there's a lot of things going on right now. Did you see Rings? Rings? The, the sequel – the sequel reboot to the Ring franchise? No, I never saw that. The movie tanked. It was like 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw it like last week, and the th- little background, the Ring scared me. Like it Oh, scarred- the first Ring movie? It scared oh, me, me as too. a kid. Oh, like, the first Ring movie is so weird. My brother and I freaked out. Like, like We always get uneasy and get chills whenever we think about like in the video with like the upside-down chair spinning. Yeah. Still freaks me out. And the movie is just creepy. I saw it oh, recently, it, and it's not as creepy anymore, but I just, I expect it. But because of that movie, I could not stay home alone with a TV. It was, oh, it would scare the hell out of me. But yeah. I saw the recent one. That movie was, like, a really fun, interesting idea and a different approach. Because it was, like, a college professor doing an experiment with students with this video about the afterlife. Like, yeah. if if there is a soul, then that means there is an afterlife. So right. it, it gave the ring a new concept and a new approach, but it still felt familiar. Right. So I liked it for that because it did something different. It wasn't trying to... <coughs> the problem that with, with reboots and everything is they don't bring anything new or mm-hmm. anything different. Right. This one did something different, but it was still familiar, and it still felt... It was different, but you still felt comfortable with sure. it. Sure. So it wasn't completely new. Well, that's the thing you brought up about reboots. I mean, it feels like a lot for the past like decade. A lot of people were running out of ideas. They were just like mm. reboots and reimaginings and all this stuff. A film that came out, I'd say like 15 years ago, maybe less, 10 years ago, was a film called Session Nine. Um, a friend of mine showed it to me. He's like, "Hey, you, I know you like psychological stuff." He goes, "This is." technically a thriller but it's not a horror so there's no jump scares nothing like that no blood guts nothing God. like that uh not a slasher film or anything like that but it's all psychological i'm like oh i love psycho i mean that's my bread and butter like when i go watch horror films sure i love slasher stuff because like, i'm a kid product of the 80s i love uh, you know i love the freddy and jason movies and you halloween fun y- yeah least. yeah see i think slasher films you go in you want you you're expecting to see the kills you want to see the kills because you're like how creative are the kills going to be it's that's like when you finally see logan Right, yeah, definitely. Like Logan was like, okay, we've had 18 years yep. of a of Wolverine. We never see him, like, we never see, like, R-rated gore. Right. And, like, the first time you see R-rated gore from Wolverine is like, yeah! It, it humanizes it more and makes it feel real, you know? Uh, <laughs> exactly. And uh, so, like, those type of movies, the psychological thriller movies, just, they sit with me. You know, kind of like what you said, that you, that you leave the theater, like, feeling uneasy, feeling the dread, feeling like you look over, you're like... You, you know what's funny? I bring this up because this shows you how amazing this film was. Uh, I'm going to talk about another film real quick. When Jurassic Park came out, the original Jurassic Park, I saw that in theaters as a kid. Um, and I remember that movie was not a horror film or a thriller film. I mean, it was action drama, whatever. You know, I had, you know, uh, but it was so scary to me because the at the time, no one had really done dinosaurs like this on a big screen. And it was just crazy to see. You know how well they did it, and then of course you're in the. Have you seen you've seen Jurassic oh, yeah. Park, yeah. The the thunder the the um I think I said Jurassic World Jurassic Park excuse me yeah. Jurassic Park back in the day, and how like, every time the T Rex would would walk like, you hear like the vibration, and so I remember walking out of the theater being like, man, that movie was very intense, uh, and 
it was raining that night and it would be thundering. So I'd be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it sounds like the T-Rex. And it totally freaked me out when I was a kid. Anyway, session nine, long story short, it, it's about this. It's just a simple, like, almost like a faux documentary. It's like hmm. this, this people come on with the film crew and they're like, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to go clean up this old uh, psych ward that's not around anymore. So there's a ward back, back in the 60s. Uh, and uh, so they go in there, and they're, and they're they're cleaning it up like it's dilapidated. Someone had paid them to clean it up, and they're a cleaning crew, right? That's their job. They clean up buildings and all that stuff, schools, everything like that. But this one is very dilapidated, like it hadn't been used in 30 years. So they're going in there, and they're cleaning it up, and they have like a deadline. They have to get it cleaned by a certain date, so there's a lot of pressure involved. They have to make sure they get everything done right. And it's just the way they go in there, the way – the, the directors and made this I don't know if it was in a pre-existing psych ward or not but the way they did the building the building itself was scary like you yeah. go in there and it's all dark dusty things are like disheveled and it's very uneasy you walk in there and you're like man this is so weird but so long story short I'm not gonna spoil really what happens but one of the guys comes across an old tape of, mm. of, <laughs> of people psychotic people being interviewed and Okay. I'm getting goosebumps right now. Okay, I got to so, see this. You, dude, this is actually this is the film that I recommend <laughs> you watch. Like Okay. This is obviously October, uh Halloween season. That's a movie you need to watch. Okay. And I, I want to get your feedback on horror. that. Yeah, you need this in your life. You need to check this out because it's a movie that's going to make you think because the scary thing is is it's all stuff that that actually happens. Like it's all stuff that's based on reality. That's the scariest part. Yeah, it's based on reality. People do. Ha- there is psych wars out there. There. I mean, there's not obviously the same condition as the one that that was in the film, but still, those pe- people like that exist. Yeah, know? and the things they say and do, and the voices, and it feels real. It feels like you're a fly on the wall. Because this guy literally finds this real, because it's an old time real. Yeah, you know, f- like 35 millimeter film. And he, he picks it up and puts it on, and you know, he's trying to figure out how to do it because he doesn't, you know, not most people know how to work a reel. So I have like, one, and I still don't know how to use it. So he, he finally gets it to work, and he's messing with the audio to get the audio to work. And he, he has it on the screen, and there's this doctor just kind of, like, interviewing this this girl. That's all I'm going to say. It is nope. so... It is real. I mean, so anyways, that's the premise of the film is they're in a psych ward, and things, and things start happening in a psych ward. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Uh, now but, my, but my my toes are curling in my d- shoes. Dude, it is a movie, you, and I, I suggest all the fans listening to Session Nine, like the number Session nine. Session Nine, got yeah, it. Yeah, uh, it like I said, it's more psychological than anything else. That's my favorite type of. I have one question I want to sure. ask you. Yeah. You're a Jurassic Park fan, and you do audio. Yes. Have you saw Jurassic World? Yes. How did you like it? Uh, I would say I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoyed it. All right. This... I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. Okay. This is going okay. This might be spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't seen Jurassic World. Yeah, spoiler warning. But I have to ask T Rex scene towards the end. What did you think? You mean did, did I like the the T Rex uh, or the the T Rex scene in general? Right. What did you think of it? It was okay. Yeah. That moment ruined the entire movie well i felt like it was comedy i felt like it was like almost like uh what ruined the movie what ruined that for me i was so hyped when they brought in the t-rex oh for sure me too but what ruined it was the sound design the sound design wasn't very good because they used a completely different sound effect for this t-rex 
What would have worked is if they used the original sound effect that is the Jurassic Park T-Rex sound effect. Yeah. And if they use that, the, I would have a completely different opinion of the movie. Like, it, everything throughout the film was like, eh, okay, all right, but the ending made it to me. And the movie ends, like, right before the credits roll, it does, like, the whole thing where, like, the T-Rex, like, goes to the top of the hill and it looks at the destroyed Jurassic World and he does his roar. But it's a completely different roar. And the thing that, that they're trying to get from that scene is, oh, this is the T-Rex the from the original series. It's coming back. And we're supposed to have this emotional attachment to right. this. But I don't because this is not the T-Rex. This is a completely different sound. And it's not like they didn't have the rights to it. Right. It's a it's a sequel reboot in a way. So you had access. You had access to the uh, the uh, the Oriental guy. You had you had access to everything from right. the past films right. and past actors, but you couldn't get the sound effect for right. the infamous T Rex. That to me, like I had to ask because you're you, you do sound and you love Jurassic Park, so I had to know if that did anything I, the, for you. I guess. That <laughs> So to answer your question, I guess I was indifferent, and that's not a good thing. Um, yeah. I didn't notice it, so good or bad. So I guess that answers your question. I, I would, if I had to review the film out of ten, I get a five out of ten. Five. That's I, an F. <laughs> I was like, eh. I mean, I liked some of the ideas they were doing. Um, I just, I, for me, what took me out of the film? You brought. You're asking about sound design. I thought some of the film stuff, um, the the camera stuff, was a little. Unreal. Like, uh, there's a scene in the trailer, so this isn't spoiling anything. There's a scene in the trailer where a Chris Pratt's character is riding on a motorcycle, and the camera is going in and out underneath the branches and through the branches and back out of the branches and up on top. I'm like, dude, a normal camera cannot do that. Oh, wow. I never thought of that. So yeah. that, that took me out of the film. I'm like, what I love about the original Jurassic Park is it felt like the camera was you, the person watching the experience. And that's what I loved about Jurassic Park. So if you, you go home and check that out and watch that trailer, you'll see what I'm talking about. The camera's just going so in places sense. a camera wouldn't go through, you know. And it's just really weird. I don't know. A lot of the stuff was done, obviously, you know, in effects later on. They added digitally added stuff on top to give it more of like a, I don't know, like claustrophobic feel or whatever. But I'm like, nah, didn't do it for me. So that kind of threw me out of the film. And I thought some of the CG stuff didn't work. I thought some of the dinosaurs looked all right. But the the C, the one where the big one that was eating the... yeah didn't do anything for me just because it's bigger doesn't yeah. make it better exactly so uh, but uh yeah i mean it's interesting to kind of talk to you about you know your side of it with from the filmmaking standpoint because you know obviously you look at films with a different pair of glasses mm -hmm. so to speak so uh 2d 2d yeah, <laughs> 2d glasses uh so but you you know you, you probably look at films a little bit differently and it's got to be some sometimes challenging for you right because you're going in to watch a film and then you're like why would that guy do this or that girl? happened to me with it i that makes me upset the, there's a the it reboot yeah i love the movie but right. a lot of the scares didn't get me it was a great story coming of age the characters right. were funny i right. loved everything about the movie but the scares i was more tense but like very few jump scares really got me. What what Whoa. threw me off was the, the character, the clown. I'm you know the clown of the film. Pennywise. Pennywise, yeah. who's supposed to be inviting, right? He's supposed to lure you. Um, and that clown is so scary looking. Like no kid would go up to that clown and be like, "Oh yeah, I want to oh talk God, to you." I didn't think of that. If you look at the original Pennywise, you know, done by Tim Curry, like he looks like a normal clown, like Bozo the clown with this like a cute big nose and hair. But this one is so evil looking. It's like, 
big what, head, like glowy eyes. Right. What kid would go towards a clown like that? So that's what threw me off. So. Huh. So not. not I'm trying to that's, like pick out, pick apart movies, but I'm just letting you know, like that's, that's a what, really good observation. That's and, th- and that's new. I've never heard that in any of the reviews for the movie. Because like now looking back at Georgie, like trying to get his boat out of the well and everything, it's like. Hey, Georgie, you want your boat back? It's like, I would immediately run. Right. I would. Why would you? Oh, my God. Wow. That yeah. That changes everything. Unless they look different to the kids. Maybe it's a deeper impact. Maybe maybe we, as the audience, look see the clown in a different way than the kids do. Maybe the kids' perspective, which they never show, maybe the kids' perspective, the kids see it differently. Maybe. Because maybe. kids that's don't look, at, look the, at it. Kids don't look at the world the same way, you know, adults do, right? So maybe that's a little Well, bit that's – they're going to do some different stuff in the sequel. Right. That it's still going to be, like, back and forth between the adults and the kids, sure. like, in the book. Yeah. But they're, the whole point is, like, the adults are trying to remember something that happened that they all forgot, and it's the journey of them trying to remember what happened right. in the past. Sure. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how they're going to do that. That would be so interesting. That would be fun. For sure. Well, Dirk, it's already been an hour already. Um, Good Lord. Time flew by. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you joining us on the happy hour, Johnny and Deuce. Thanks uh, for having me. And uh, best wishes uh, to Deuce. Uh, he's doing fine. Um, he's just at a, another engagement. Uh, and you're actually going to be joining us for the next episode. We're very, very excited about that. So stay tuned for that. Dirk, how do people find you on the Internet? Well, you can find me on Facebook at Death Lake Productions. You can also find me on YouTube at Death Lake Movie. And we have an uh, exciting event coming up uh, in, by the time this goes up, this will be a Friday. Yep. So next week on Friday the 13th, <laughs> awesome. we have a new short film that is premiering uh, in Orlando at Gods and Monsters. Uh, it'll be our new short film called VR Violent Realm. Uh, it's our most recent horror movie that we did. It's virtual reality meets um, Freddy Krueger. Nice. So awesome. it's a psychological horror movie around the subject of virtual reality. Awesome. Definitely. Uh, if you're in the Orlando area, you need to check that out. Gods and Monsters. And it's a free event. It's free. At the fri- it's the Friday Friday the 13th uh, Camp Blood Celebration. Awesome. So good. definitely go check it out. You can follow him uh, on the Facebook and on YouTube and everything like that. And uh, Twitter as well, right? We're on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. We mainly... We mainly... Uh, we mainly use the social medias that use video more so we're mostly on instagram <laughs> right definitely so definitely go check them out you can find us on the internet at hh podcast show on twitter uh facebook.com forward slash happy hour podcast show uh definitely go give us some reviews likes if you didn't like the show tell us too we read everything how can we improve the show what are some thoughts and feedback you have we read everything don't bring dirk back <laughs> <laughs> um uh go on there go on itunes stitcher google play music SoundCloud, you know, all the rigmarole, the, the, the podcasting services get of choice. Get this guy a throat lozenge. There you go. Get, <laughs> get him a throat lozenge. Uh, definitely. And, um, and uh, yeah, go check us out. And remember when you're talking about the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce, there's not one, not two, but three hashtags you want to put in your social media of choice. Hashtag happy hour podcast. Hashtag HH podcast show. And, of course, hashtag Deuce is on the loose. See ya.